Hello and welcome to QPod, QIC's Investor Insights podcast series. I'm Craig Valenzuela, Managing Director for Global Business Development, and each week we invite our listeners to take 10 and get the latest economic update from our in-house economics team. And it's a good afternoon to our Chief Economist, Dr. Matthew Peter. Good afternoon, Craig. Matthew, we are running our Take 10 podcast a day early this week, and it's very timely as the ABS has today released the labour force data for August 2020. It's being seen as a very important update as to how our employment levels and trends are faring as we enter the seventh month of economic environment that's been heavily impacted by COVID. So today, as well as understanding what the latest employment numbers mean, I was also hoping we could take a look at where government policy is at, both federally and for the states. So Matthew, to start off with those labour force data, the trends, to provide us an insight into the economy, are there any specific areas of the labour force data that we've released this morning that you are most interested in? Well, I suppose the employment numbers, number one, isn't it, Craig? And uh, that was where there was a significant surprise to what the market was, market was expecting. Uh, the number of jobs added was 110,000 in August, which was, uh, you know, in the midst of the lockdown in Victoria. Um, and the market was expecting minus 45,000. We have to recognise that um, the number of people uh, working zero hours went up by 50,000. So as Victoria locked down, a lot of people, a lot of workers were going on to JobKeeper working zero hours, not included in the unemployment numbers, but nonetheless not working. So that takes a bit of the shine off the numbers. And also, I think the other thing that we were looking at was the fact that uh, the the ABS survey for employment, the, the data released today, was in the first two weeks of August. So the lockdown really hadn't fully had time to work its way through the economy, I don't think, So in Victoria. So I think there's still bad news to come in September and October. The Victorian economy is not really going to exit substantially the, the stage for lockdown until uh, the end of October if they if the government's um, uh, roadmap is is to be believed and so I think there will still be um, softer data out of uh, out in September October so I think we're not out of the woods by any stretch of the imagination. Was well, there any part of the data when you started to drill down Matthew that was uh, maybe a little bit unexpected to you or something you thought might needed highlighting that wasn't sort of being picked up in your modeling earlier in the day? Well, I think the pleasing thing about the data is the, you know, they pick up an employment outside of, um, of Victoria. So as I said, we we were forecasting 40,000 as opposed to minus 40,000, which was the average economist's um, estimate. But even our 40,000 was way under the final number of 110,000. And most of the miss actually uh, came from the better performance outside of Victoria. You know, Victoria was actually down 50,000. But if you look outside, um, you know, the rest of this of the economy is up 50,000. Uh, New South Wales, pretty strong, uh, up 50,000. So their ability to con, con, uh, con, contain the virus and keep their economy open is paying off on in terms of uh, employment numbers. WA, we know, even though it's got borders closed, is doing very well, is up 30,000. And here in Queensland, uh, even with our borders closed up uh, 18,000. So, you know, the the there are good signs there. And if we can just get the uh, virus under control in Victoria and start to open our borders, and I think um, we have better uh, outcomes down the track, 
Um, but as I said, you know, it looks like Victoria will stay in its lockdown at least for another probably two months. Awesome. Thank you. You're listening to Craig Valenzuela and QIC's Take 10 podcast. We're with our chief economist, Dr. Matthew Peter, where we're going behind the scenes of that latest economic news. Matthew, could the actual state in the labour market being understated due to those current COVID policies just as JobKeeper? You mentioned before the idea of zombie hours. Are people returning to work from zero hours coming back? What else can we expect there? Well, one of the interesting um, pieces of information out of the um, the ABS report uh, was a, a, the ABS has started um, giving insights on the original data. Now, the data that we're talking about seasonally adjusted, uh, and that's the right thing to look at because, um, you know, you want to compare apples with apples, but there is information embedded in the uh, original data, uh, the unseasonally adjusted data. And what that was pointing out, the non-seasonally adjusted data was pointing out, was that the almost the entirety of the original employment increase, which was 50,000, um, was through uh, uh, individuals, uh, sole traders, in other words, um, owners of businesses without employees. So that was where the pickup in jobs were. And that's interesting. Um, we don't know much about that data. We, we don't get any sort of backdrop to it other than just a, a report from the ABS. There's no history of it for us to analyse. But it's an interesting observation. It's consistent with the idea that, firstly, that, you know, when when uh, the business, when the economies are, are reopening, you know, it's it's small business people, you know, people who have coffee shops and whatnot, perhaps, who are opening. But it's also perhaps indicative of people that are uh, leaving their normal jobs and going into the gig economy. So that's, you know, a definition of a, of a sole trader in a way. So it's people that are still trying to uh, work. They're looking for innovative ways to get employment. They're not waiting for people just to, em to employ them. And they're branching out on their own and doing their own thing, be it driving an Uber or, or whatever else it may be. But people are trying to continue to earn income, contribute to the economy and find jobs. Excellent. Let's switch gears here. Let's consider the implications for policy. Um, you mentioned it before. We've got job keeper, job seeker. I think Josh Frydenberg today quoted job maker. They're also the change revert in Q4. And this week, the RBA, of course, also released its latest minutes. In the past, they've encouraged fiscal support, Matthew, alongside monetary policy. Is the RBA commenting on encouraging policy in their latest minutes as well? Oh, yes. Craig, absolutely. I mean, the RBA, I think, have, have reached the point where they can't see monetary policy contributing much more to the demand management of the economy. In other words, the support of demand through this COVID period. Um, they they think that the uh, the federal government has done a good job with their income support programs, the Job Keeper and the Job Seeker supplements, and that's that's provided an important bridge to keep workers in contact with employers while the uh, this period of, of severe lockdown has been undertaken in Australia, which we're now emerging from, with the exception of Victoria. But what the RBA um, is looking for now is the next phase of that bridge to the post-COVID world. And that next phase is not continued support of incomes. That's been done. It's about direct uh, stimulus, direct expenditure into the economy of the government. And that's what they are, they are promoting. And it's not just the 
federal government that has to, you know, turn its attention to this direct spending, that is spending on infrastructure, spending on education, spending on health, etc. Um, spending on the arts, for example, too, which um, is a, was a policy just released today. But it's also the state governments because it's the state governments that are responsible for a lot of this direct expenditure. You know, think about education, health and infrastructure. They're all mainly in the domain of the state government. So what the RBA is doing is really trying to um, encourage not just the federal government, but state governments as well to increase that direct expenditure. Now, the thing that they are saying to those governments is, look, we know there's a, you're worried about debt. But at the moment, interest rates are at, at record lows. You can borrow at 10 years uh, for 50 basis points, three years for, for 13 basis points. On top of that, they are signalling that if there is pressure on absorption of, of, the, uh, of government debt issuance that causes spreads to blow out, for example, for semi-governments, that they would be prepared to step in, the RBA that is, and ensure that those interest rates don't blow out. So they are really putting the pressure on governments, both federal and state, to do more. Awesome. And of course, that's on the back of New South Wales and Victoria this week, or in the past week, I should say, announcing fairly sizable fiscal packages, around $3 billion each. So it's great to know that the RBA is really highlighting their role now, Matthew, and also being able to support them because the states, by definition, don't have quite the same balance sheet as the federal government. You're listening to Craig Valenzuela and QIC's Take 10 podcast, uh, where our chief economist, Dr. Matthew Peter, is going behind the scenes of the latest economic news. You mentioned unintended consequences. I suppose in some ways, along with the RBA, Matthew, good support here, you've been calling for infrastructure spending as a targeted and efficient policy, with a number of business leaders sort of calling out for job stacker to be a, a targeted and efficient policy. Which one do you compare now and sort of say is the better outcome for Australia? Is the corporate sector looking for corporate balance sheet support by a job stacker? And do you still maintain your confidence that the infrastructure spending approach is the right one? Well, the other thing about the income support programs or wage relief, whatever you want to call them, is that it doesn't guarantee that 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 uh, that stimulus finds its way back into the economy. For example, both JobKeeper and, and the JobStacker uh, can end up, for example, on the balance sheets of the businesses, um, you know, particularly in, a, in, a, in the current environment where there's a lot of risk aversion, you know, that, that, that uh, rebate or subsidy that, they, that, the gov that the business receives doesn't necessarily result in additional production or additional investment if what they are doing is just, you know, shoring up their balance sheet because they're scared about the future. Similarly, it can be paid out in dividends. A lot of those dividends go offshore to international investors or they go to households who we know are saving a lot of their income as well. So it's, it's a very indirect method of gaining stimulus. It's good in that it keeps businesses alive, but that's sort of been done. That's what the RBA is telling us. Look, we've, we've, we've got over that hump largely. What we need now is something that's going to directly increase demand and that's going to stimulate the economy. And that's where infrastructure spending is so important because when the government spends a dollar of income, uh, a dollar of, uh, of their budget to do infrastructure spending, it's directly building something. It's building a road, it's building a bridge, it's building a power um, a power source or something. And that means that the, that employs construction industry. They 
increase their output, they employ workers, they then there's a flow on effect through the economies. So Matthew, in some ways, really what you're pointing out to is, is that a dollar spent in infrastructure spending, whilst there might be some leakages, there's also some multiplier effects. So the economy as a whole is directly benefiting from that dollar and there's a loss uh, through various other mechanisms. Matthew, thank you so much for your updates today and congratulations to your team for correctly predicting an improvement in the employment data. And whilst the form of the federal policy debate continues, there appears support from some of the fiscal commitments from the RBA in terms of the cost of debt. So that's great news there for our states. Thank you for listening to our QPod today and have a super weekend ahead.